Hey everyone, you are in the game. Our podcast about sports, business, and the business of sports. This is Anand Punjabi, and we have been talking over the last couple of episodes about the European Soccer League, the now defunct European Soccer League. Perhaps who knows? Maybe it's going to rear its head again. Anyway, we've been garnering some views from the support from the fans on the terraces and the crowds, and watching on TV. Most likely, of course, an empty stadium world. So today we're going to be talking to Amit Nawalrai, who is a long-standing supporter of Real Madrid, and he's going to be bringing us the view from Spain, the view from Madrid. Was Florentino Perez, the chairman of Real Madrid, the man behind the European Soccer League? Some fantastic insights to come. Let's head over and talk to Amit. Okay, welcome everyone to our next fan view on the European Super League that uh, was launched a couple of weeks ago and then apparently is now off. We have Amit Nawalrai, who is a fan of Real Madrid. He lives in Santiago, Chile, and uh, he's been quite active in keeping up to date with the view from Spain, really, and we know that the view from Spain seems to be quite different, coming from a completely different perspective from what we're hearing from the British media, which is what we have focused on a little bit. So, Amit, welcome to In the Game. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Anand, for having me. I heard what you and Vlad said uh, last week, and I think I'm a little bit more inclined towards Vlad's side. Uh, I'm a little bit bored of the fan fury, the Gary ne- Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher banter. I get the idea and the reason why there's so much anger. And I think Florentino and those 12 clubs got two things wrong. Obviously, the closed system uh, is not fun. You know, without them being any merit and classification the year before, it's not really a sport. So I think that that was pretty wrong. And the second thing was instead of being a league to substitute the Champions League, maybe if he would have span it as a, a tournament, a bit like Lalit Modi, uh, Modi did with the IPL. And he would have made it like the top three teams of the first of the top five leagues go through. And, you know, it was performed during World Cup and Euro Cup breaks. I think that would have been an easier sell. But the fact that he started off with a closed, you know, NBA, American franchise style system, I think that's where he messed up. But uh, what I'd like to talk about today, Anand, if I may, is more the thinking behind Florentino Perez. Uh, Being a lifelong fan for us, uh, Florentino Perez is a guru. He's the guy who brought Figo from Barca. He's given us five Champions Leagues. You know, he brought the Galacticos. He saved the club from debt. He's now arguably building the best stadium in the world. So for us, Florentino can do no wrong. You know, let's just start with that. What, what, what I think, you know, we've all heard his argument in terms of, you know, we're 300, 400 million down this year in terms of income. Uh, but I think it all comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is TV income. I think you mentioned that in the last podcast. I know for a fact he even mentioned that he's spoken to, without mentioning the names, the Amazons and the Netflix and, you know, those kind of guys. Uh, and he knows how much income they're going to get. That's how they got JP Morgan to underwrite the whole event. But I think what Florentino is thinking, we can see it. 
I mean, this this year alone, I think all four finalists are going to be British teams, both in Champions League and the Europa League. I mean, unless a surprise happens, it's going to be Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal, Man U. So if you look at what's happened in the last three years and the premiership being so successful, especially in markets like Asia, it's, driv- it's driving the TV income. And Florentino recognizes that, that TV income is what allows you to compete. And I think that's the angle that Florentino has focused. Sure, he sold it as, you know, the youth are no longer watching football. And, you know, they're more interested in other sport, blah, blah, blah. So is that really blah, blah, blah? Or is that just him trying to play to the crowd? I think I think that was more trying to play to the crowd. Although it is a fact that, you know, the millennials are watching less soccer. You know, I don't have the stats. I'm sure Accenture and the big boys have sold them all the reports that, you know, he could have believed whatever he wanted over there. But I think what he's thinking is, how do I get in a year where I've lost 300 million income, 3 million, 300 million euros, how do I sign Mbappe and Haaland? You know, because at the end of the day, we've lost Neymar. When I say we, I'm talking about the Spanish league. We lost Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, we're going to lose Messi. I mean, Messi stayed because of the whole blackmail bureau facts of last year. But at the end of the day, Messi is also leaving. And at the end of the day, if you watch a Spanish game and you don't watch Madrid-Barça or Athletic Madrid, I'm a Spanish lifelong fan and I get bored watching the other teams. And it's not disrespect to, your, to the other teams. Why do you get bored? Why do you get bored? I understand there's an argument of no one, not enough people want to watch, you know, uh, Real Betis play or Valladolid play or Getafe play or Burnley or Southampton or West Brom. You know, there's an argument that that's not really true because the you know fans of Man U, Man City, Liverpool look forward to the games against the Burnleys or the West Broms, not necessarily because it's going to be an easy game, because it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a good atmosphere. And in the Premier League, for example, on their day, a team can un- upset a Man City or a Liverpool. It does happen. I think and, you and said people it. People don't want to lose that. That doesn't want to be lost. Do they think the same in Spain or no? Not so much. I think the British don't want to lose the whole pyramid scheme. And they don't want to lose the whole FA Cup charm that any team in the second and third tier division can beat a top 16 on a one. What's that phrase? That rainy day in Stoke, you know? Right. But mm-hmm. I think in the Spanish league, if you look at the last 25 years and you look at Madrid, Barca and maybe Athletic Madrid, you know Madrid and Barca are going to finish top two, top three. You know, what happened with Leicester in the Premiership does not happen in Spain. But isn't that boring? That, that's exactly what Florentino Perez is saying, Anand. Right. Florentino is saying that is exactly it. It's boring. Right. Florentino, when he came up with the closed system that these mm-hmm. three teams will always be there, he wasn't thinking about merit because he right. knows that those three teams will always be top three in Spain. But that's not necessarily the case in Italy, for example, I guess. Well, well, I mean, England, that's why he went with the top six, not with the top yeah. three. He went with six teams in England. Okay. Those top six teams, he actually said, uh, not in Chiringuito, the, where the program that most people in England. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come to that. I'd like to hear what you have to say about that, about that program later. Yeah. Well, what he said on the radio when they asked him specifically, why did you choose those 12 teams? He said, I looked at the social media database 
I looked mm-hmm. at the Champions League performances on the last 15 years, semi-finalists and above, and yeah. how many users they have in social media. So sure. he's, he's obviously looking at the demographics of the young generation and looking at this from a TV income. And yeah. they asked him specifically, how much money would you get? And he said, listen, I can't tell you specifics, but we have spoken without mentioning the names of Amazon and Netflix. We have spoken and we know approximately how much income we're going to get. And here's the one thing he didn't sell well. His argument is we will be able to work with solidarity and give more money to the other 15 teams in the premiership. Sorry, the other 14 teams in the premiership and the other teams in the Spanish and Italian league that are not in the Super League than today they get from UEFA. The reason why they don't give numbers today is because since it's a new league and it's just starting off, what they needed was the $6 billion underwriting and knowing that these 15 clubs are going to get the $400 million or £300 million pounds each. So they could start off, you know, Florentino can sign the players he wants and he knows that the TV viewership, he's seen it with the IPL, he's seen it with the American franchises. This is just more sponsorship money. And what he wants is UEFA doesn't give him the transparency. So he wants to control his own destiny and he wants to go direct to the customer. So we get his logic. First of all, we, we should have actually prefaced this, but is it fair to say that Florentino Perez is the architect of this version of the Super League? We know the Super League has been talked about for a couple of decades now, maybe first raised, I think, in the late 90s. And then occasionally people talk about it from time to time, but it's been largely ignored until now. Is Perez the, the real architect behind this? Is he the driver? 100%. Okay. It started from him. He said, I have been in this 20 years. I am friends with every single club owner in the top leagues. I am friends with everybody in world football. I am fed up with UEFA. I mean, we all know what happened with Qatar and the World Cup, the bribes, the history of corruption in that organization. And what he is saying is the monies we're getting today, especially uh, with the Champions League, is now being dwarfed by the future of the premiership money. And so the English teams are going to become stronger and stronger. Nobody believes in FFP, you know, financial fair play. We've seen sure. it with Man City and PSG in the last 24 months. Yeah. So Perez is saying, fine, this year the British teams can win the Champions League and the UEFA League, but we don't want them to win three years in a row. You know, that's Madrid. Madrid wins three in a row, five in a row. So all he's doing is protecting his turf. And obviously, he needs to finance his new stadium and uh, protect the future of football is his argument, which means protect the interest of Madrid fans. Because don't forget, he doesn't actually take a salary or profit from Real Football uh, Club. Well, I mean, he's worth a couple of billion dollars. I don't think he really cares about uh, a he's, salary. He is a construction magnet. He is a $2.2 billion. Dollar. Yeah, he's a construction guy. Correct. Should we as fans just accept or expect that the biggest leagues in the world going to be run by these billionaires who are going to organize leagues, matches, tournaments, sponsorships, broadcasting to maximize their revenues, maximize the values of the clubs that they own, to hell with tradition, to hell with what the fans want. We, we, we are only going to have fans in the stadiums to create the TV atmosphere. Otherwise, we don't really need them because 
from what I'm hearing, a larger and larger and larger proportion of the overall income is coming through broadcast rights. And stadium revenues, say stadiums have revenue is, is, is getting less and less relevant. And therefore, the fans are less and less relevant. Should we expect that? I'm like you. I am a purist. I do believe fans make football. Uh, I'm just giving you Florentino's argument. Sure. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't think what he's trying to do is hurt fans. Because at the end of the day, he just wants to make sure that the income generated by the top clubs is spread more evenly within the top clubs. And if they manage the income directly and cut the middleman or cut the platform, they are then going to be more generous in giving the money to the smaller teams, to grassroots programs, and to help football. They feel they can control the income and the spending right. better than the FIFA slash what they consider government. Sure, so, sure. I, I, so I don't think Florentino has been bad for football in the last 20 years. I think... You know, everything he has done from Sidan to Galacticos, it's always been a global outlook. Yes, for the benefit of Real Madrid, but the world has benefited from everything Florentino has done in the last 20 years. And I don't think overnight he's become a selfish person. No, I think he's been a selfless patient person for about 20 years. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. He has his interests and he has Madrid's interests at heart. I'm pretty sure that Catalonia would not necessarily agree uh, with with Florentino's approach, never mind to the Super League, but just how he feels football should be run. But Anand, how does he have Barcelona to sign as well? How did he get Milan and Inter Milan and AC? Well, no one wants to be left behind. He basically dangled these $100 bills in front of them and said, listen, do you want a piece of this or not? It seems Man City were quite reluctant. They're all Muppets. They're all Muppets. Oh, the, these, these owners? The other 11 owners are all Muppets. No, I'm not saying they're Muppets, but what I am saying, and you pointed this out at the start, and I think everyone can agree on this, whether you're pro-Super League or anti-Super League, it was a pretty amateurish so-called launch, you know, with this, with this 12 clubs putting a press release out on their websites and this, you know, this, you know, $2 webpage that had been put up, superleague.com or whatever it was called, you know, it's terrible. And, and they realized that the approach was very amateurish, I would think. I think they did that because they heard that uh, UEFA is launching the following day their new Champions League modification. Yeah. And he argued in Chiringuito that, hey, Madrid's games before the quarterfinals are kind of boring. And, you know, we're always in the semifinals. We always go through. And his argument was that now they're going from six qualifying games to get to the quarterfinals, to 10 right. more games. Already the players, that uh, you, you, you've heard Klopp and Pep and all the managers argue that you know we're treating the players as slaves. We're not giving them time to rest. Injuries are getting worse. Yeah, we don't need more games, that's for sure. Yeah, the fact that Lewandowski missed you know, the games he missed and he lost out in the Champions League after the season he's had is, is hurtful for football, for a Madrid yeah. fan, for any fan. So uh, again, the leagues don't, like if you look at the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga doesn't have 18 teams like the Premiership and the Spanish Liga, right? They already have 16 teams. So they already have two less games. 20 versus 18, yeah. So yeah. already, I mean, if, if, if he would have said, you know, instead of 20, let's make the leagues 14 or 16 teams so that the competition is a little bit, you know, more fun or the differences in so much. 
And instead of instead of going after the Champions League, we would have done a three-week to one-month Europa Super Cup or Super Tournament with the IPL format. I think he would have got got everybody through and everybody would have signed off on it. And I think um, obviously he should have done it that the winner should be the top three of the five leagues. Uh, sorry, Ajax and sorry, Oporto. But at the end of the day, you have to make some sort of cut. And maybe you can invite if you have instead of 15, you have 16 or 20 or 18 and you invite the winner of, I don't know, Ajax, Oporto and Russia. And then you have the other 15, which are the top three. So that if Madrid comes forth one year, then they don't participate in next year's tournament. I think that would have been a much more uh, fair and, you know, it would have been easier. It would have gotten more approval. But the way he presented it was a disaster. So there would have actually been some sporting competition as opposed to just being in this closed franchise where irrespective of whether you do well or not, you're still getting paid and you still play next season. I mean, Madrid fans themselves are against the closed policy. That's not okay. sport. Okay. Uh, yeah, we don't like that. No, I mean, I'm Is a Madrid right? fan. My brother, my cousins, in our chat, everybody. I mean, I think Florentino should resign. I love the guy. He's not going to resign, but I think he should resign. And I'm not talking about the way now these six guys have just been forced to leave. You know, the, the Woodward and the, all the guys, each one from each club, the premiership now, they've all been asked to leave. Uh, they just announced it an hour ago. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about Florentino has put together a proposal. The fact that the British have left in 48 hours is a slap in his face. He's a smart guy. I'm sure he's got 100 million pound fines that are going to be divided up between the teams that stay and he'll make more money. But I just think he presented it in such a bad way. He's not going to resign. He's just going to negotiate and negotiate. And hopefully next year or two years time, we will have some sort of a, a Super League uh, presented by him. What is the view from those Spanish clubs that have not been invited to participate? What are they saying? It's exactly the same as the 14 premiership teams. They had a meeting without, they are up in arms. They want them banned, not banned of the league. They want them like points deducted and fines. They want a punishment of some kind, right? They want, they want a pub, uh, a punishment of some kind, exactly the same view as the West Ham manager and the West Ham, you know, like exactly the same. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a club owner, they feel they've been betrayed. They they feel that they acted, those three Spanish clubs, in a very selfish manner. They did not consider the consequences to the stadiums and the income of the other teams. And they're up in arms. And uh, they, are, they had a meeting to actually protest and ask the Spanish guy, Tebas, who runs the league, to actually come up with some sort of a financial and points uh, penalty that will make next year's league even more exciting. And do you think that might actually happen? Because if it happens in Spain, you know, there should be there should be equivalents, I suppose, in, in Italy and in England as well. I think so. Do you so. think that's likely? I think so. I think so, because Tebas is a very what you call uh, more realistic, very, you know, I do the right thing, even if it's a tough decision. If you remember in the last World Cup, the way he got rid of Lopetegui, when he announced that he had signed for Real Madrid during, just before traveling to the World Cup. And he said, uh, that's unacceptable to me. And everyone said, keep him on. And after the World Cup, let him go to Madrid. And he said, no, this is a betrayal. This is not the way things are done. 
and it's a tough decision, and he was fired. And Spain didn't even get through the first round. So even though it hurt us as a country, over 60% of the Spanish population are with him because, you know, the moral compass points north. As a purist, so earlier you said you're a purist. Now, as a a football purist and as a fan of football in general, you've now heard the points made by Florentino Perez, okay? Every angle. (laughs) And you you are a, a lifelong Real Madrid fan. So, you know, the architect of the Super League, you, you know, you consider collectively as Real Madrid fans, you consider him a guru, right? As someone who's, who's brought great success to, to Real Madrid. He now, delivers. What do you think the fan on the street in Spain thinks about this? What do they want, do you think? I think, uh, I mean, Madrid and Barcelona are so big that, for example, I'm from Las Palmas, but my team now is in the second division. Therefore, I'm now a Madrid fan. So in Spain, it really is, it was 50-50, but I think over the last 10 years uh, with Messi, uh, I think the fans have gone slightly more towards Barcelona. So I would say 55-45 Madrid versus Barcelona. I think the fan feels and hates UEFA and those who know about football know that something needs to be done And I think that Florentino is a bit of a pioneer and sees what's going to happen to Spanish football. And for us in Spain, the Champions League and competing in Europe is arguably more important than winning the league. Whereas in the Premiership, you know, a guy in West Ham or Chelsea or Birmingham, for them, the Premiership is, you know, all or nothing. For us, uh, the Champions League is it. And I think the fan understands what Florentino has done. And I think it's the one country in whole of Europe where uh, we are more inclined to vote for some sort of a Super League, uh, albeit with more of an open and merit-based tournament. And I think uh, Florentino is going to, I won't say get away with it, but I don't see this being scrapped to zero. I think Florentino, even if it takes them two to four years, he has the he has eleven other important chairmen on his site. He just didn't know how to sell it properly. So he's going to tweak this. He's going to speak to UEFA, and I don't think it's going to get ugly because UEFA and FIFA need these uh, teams. Uh, I think it's a, a marriage. So I don't think it's going to be a full-on divorce. I think it's going to be a long, hard, battled settlement. But at the end, at some point, I'm not saying in two years, five years, or 10 years, I think people will look back in history and say, Florentino, thank you. Will this replace the Champions League, do you think? Is the Champions League going to disappear? Is this going to be an addition to the Champions League? What's going to happen to the domestic leagues? I know we don't have the answers today, but what is your feel? What do you think? I think the domestic leagues stay the same, full stop. There's no change. You know, you can't affect, you can't affect the facts of Betis, Deportivo, Valencia, Real Sociedad, you know, the working class. You cannot, I mean, at the end of the day, football is about fans. That does not change. The only thing I see, either Florentino negotiates the league to go small, less teams, so he has more time to make income 
in tournaments like a Super League, but make it a tournament. Or he gets his way and modifies the Champions League to uh, go back on the decision of 10 games before qualifying to the, sem- to the quarterfinals. So I think the league doesn't change. And I think uh, UEFA today uh, sticks to the Champions League and Madrid and the other teams organize either a small two, three-week tournament, which gets a lot of income, or they modify the Champions League to a new format. I won't say immediately, but uh, within a few years. That's what I think. Interesting, interesting. I, I wonder whether Florentino and or the owners that he brings with them can find any way in which to convince, you know, other decision makers. And I wonder what happens, what happens to those teams that come first, second, third at the end of a domestic season? Do they play in the Champions League because they care less about this Champions League now because everyone is watching the Super League? There has to be balance. If more people are watching the Super League, fewer people will watch the Champions League and the revenues will naturally go to where the eyeballs are. So is the Champions League then devalued to become what is today the Europa League, for example? And the Europa League disappears, I wonder. Will the club stand for that? Will the other clubs who are not part of the Super League, will they accept this? I'm going to go out a bit more on an extreme. What about if Florentino says, okay, you know what? I failed in Europe. Uh, The British chickened out. I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to talk to the Brazilian and Argentinian teams. And I'm going to do a tournament between the top Spanish teams and the top, like the Intercontinental in South America. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he gets that up and running. Maybe, I don't know, maybe an MLS team becomes strong and and he takes North America, South America, and maybe eventually he gets Asia on board. What he doesn't want is to rely on the income of UEFA, and especially with the premiership income, uh, I think, dwindling even UEFA Champions League in a couple of years. So that, at the end of the day, follow the money. The money's going yeah. in the premiership. And sure. uh, Florentino representing Madrid and Spanish football is trying to protect that. I think that's what it comes down to. Well, it sounds to me he's actually looking for a bailout because he's overspent, or Real Madrid have overspent consistently over many years. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in Spanish football by any stretch, but, you know, the, 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 background, the background is that the Spanish municipal government uh, finds ways in which to bail out Real Madrid as and when they need to with zero income loans. They sold the, the the training ground for this huge amount of money. They seem to have this local government financial support. So they can go build a Galacticos. They can, they can pay the biggest transfer fees. They can pay the biggest wages because they've got free money behind them. It's not really run competitively. And for the longest time, if I'm not mistaken, Spanish teams could negotiate their own broadcast rights. Yeah, it wasn't collective like it is in the Premier League, for example. So if he's run his team fiscally irresponsibly, COVID has now, like the water's gone out, right? And he's swimming naked. He's like, oh shit, I should not, I, I shouldn't have put myself in this position. What can I do? Where's my bailout? Some would argue he's now looking for a bailout. Is that a reasonable argument to, to make? I would say yes. I'm not arguing against that. I no, I'm not saying has, you are. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing a point of view out there. You no, know, as a Madrid fan, I would say he has fulfilled the dreams of all Madrid fans. What he's done, he did at some point use his own personal, personal, his company's uh, bank balance, and you know, as a guarantee, as J.P. Morgan is doing for this league, 
he has used his money to say, you know, as a security deposit, and he has taken help from local regional banks and the state uh, with uh, with rates which do not merit the financials of uh, the club. Uh, yes, but uh, I just think today football there is no FFP, right? You know, with the billions pouring in now, I think Newcastle now could be a club as well. They're talking that some billionaire once said, you heard Spotify guy wants to buy Arsenal. At the end of the day, if you look at the NBA and the NFL, the NFL and NBA franchises are all owned by billionaires and they're, they're all closed and they all negotiate. They get huge fees of TV by the, you know, uh, broadcasters, the ESPNs of the world. Sure. But in terms of their merchandise, yeah, yeah. You saw the Gold State Warriors now, they've come up with the NFTs where they're selling, you know, so I think blockchain and NFTs also is going to change how football is going to be operated. Um, I just, I think there's so much change and Florentino, I mean, obviously it was a bit stupid to say I'm helping, I'm saving world football. That argument, nobody buys it when it's a closed tournament with 300 right. million pounds guaranteed when sure. day one, that's just to finance the No matter the what club you do. Yeah. That's to finance the club. And- the match is still 90 minutes long, right? This yeah, is the thing. Correct. It's not. A, it's, it's, it hasn't it hasn't switched to to uh, to four periods of ten minutes each or something like that. Yeah, correct, correct. No, and I mean, I didn't. You didn't in Chiringuito. They asked him, like, you know, what about Mbappe? And he basically said, "Trust in me," and smiled. Sure. So the whole world, you know, you've seen the betting poll. Everyone knows Mbappe wants to go to Madrid, and it's pretty much done deal. Now, where's the money? Barca are broke beyond belief. Madrid doesn't have the money with what they've spent in the stadium. And with 300 million euros, they've got less this year. I mean, fine, you, you, don't, you don't renew Ramos. You know, you sell Varane as well. But still, the salaries don't add up to, to get people like Mbappe on board. So I don't know. There, there are always ways when it comes to Florentino. Uh, sure. he, he claims that the problem of UEFA is transparency. But bottom line, he's done the maths of what he needs to compete and win the Champions League 10 years more. And he doesn't see it with, uh, with the way salaries are going. And let's face it, Anand, which other industry in the world has 90% of the expenses, the line item salaries? Imagine Not a hotel many. or imagine, imagine any other business where 90% was, was salaries. So... Again, I'm not going to sit here and blame the players because at the end, market demand supply, you know, Messi is cheap for what he's done. But uh, I just think Florentino has a right and a duty to protect the interest of his club, Real Madrid. And he has found a way and has managed because of his PR over the last 20 years to get these 12 other clubs on board. And the fact that the British pulled out with a little bit of I don't know if it was the fan support or the UK government support just shows that uh, it's going to be a battle. I don't think the owners of the clubs really care too much about what the government had to say, ultimately have a responsibility to their support. So how yeah. much they wish to keep them on side uh, is is relative to each club. But I don't think anything UEFA would have done or the government would have done would have would have done what the fans um, did, I feel. I, I, I disagree. I think it wasn't the fans. I think, uh, i tell you why. I think the fans, if you look at uh, the American owners, you know, they've had fights in Boston and 
DC and all over the world. I think these fans, for them, they're above, like for them, the fans are like, like in India, many consider the low class, you know, like that old school mentality. I think what it is when the government came out and said, hey, listen, we, we might not give the licenses to operate. We will shut down the licenses for drinks in the, in the stadiums. We will not give them the security and the police and the cops to make sure that the matches can be held. You know, once you start hearing the government get into the, into the sports turf, uh, I don't even know what election cycle we're on in UK and France. But I think that the billionaires don't want to be, don't want to have the governments against them for tax reasons tax reasons and for allowing them to operate their business i think you know a couple 20,000 50,000 fans making a noise remember when juve changed their logo remember juve a few years ago changed yes. the logo yeah yeah sure and thousands and thousands of fans came to protest aleti madrid yeah. as well when they changed mm-hmm. the logo i just think these owners for them fan pressure is not significant i think they're they're above that and the fact, the apologies that came out, you know, I saw the Liverpool one, you know, it was awful, awful to watch. It was just the PR, you know, red, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know, that and the whole Gary Neville thing. For me, for me, that's just noise. Gary Neville has to have an opinion about everything. Which is fine. You know, he's an ex-Man U player and a legend from the UK and, you know, but... Well, no, he's a legend to Man United. Let's not let's not push it too far beyond that. Oh, he's, a, <laughs> he's an, Engl- an England football player, right? Sorry, he's as like, a Liverpool uh, supporter, I will never be saying anything kind about Gary Neville, I can assure you. Yeah. No, and it was funny, like, when Gary... Uh, was it Gary Lineker who said, hey, make make no mistake, if the Super League happens, I will not be involved in broadcasting or, uh, yeah. you know, on that show. Yeah, until someone dangles him half a million pounds an episode, he might rethink that. <laughs> I find, I find the entire British public broadcasting, you know, lot just they just want to follow the fans. You know, they just want to follow the fans. They want their fans behind them. They want to go to the local pub and be cheered. At the end of the day, football is a business, Anand. Are we agreeing? What did the Spanish media say about this? We didn't talk about this. And I know we're going to wrap things up shortly, but what did the Spanish, yeah. the Spanish broadcasters, so I don't mean the, the, the print media, the people who are involved, who have a strong financial stake in football right now, were they threatened by this? Uh, what, what was the reaction? I was surprised on how many people in Spain agreed with the idea and are, are in favor of fighting against UEFA, like more than I expected. The amount of important peoples and voices, they all said the same thing. You know, you, you know, to do this on a Sunday announcement, you know, you're not an American organization. And uh, what they didn't like over here was the two and a half year discussion without speaking to the other clubs or the fans and, and giving comfort to the other clubs that, hey, solidarity means that when we get the money, out of this 200 million pounds, we're immediately going to give you 10%. We're, you're already going to have more money. His argument is we're helping the smaller clubs because we're the ones with the money to buy them. So when you buy, you're actually trickling down money. It's the multiplier effect. You know, the IX school of thought. Did, what about the broadcasters, though? Were they, were they, they were also on board? Is there a threat um, to their, their position as uh, rights holders to, you know, to, to, to broadcast Champions League? You know, because that's no. really the important tournament. No, I mean, I, I, I did not. I mean, I heard a couple of arguments that this cannot be done because of the multi-five-year deals that already been signed. But uh, 
again, we don't know who's going to be the winner. We don't know if it's Amazon or Netflix or who it sure. is. Sure, because if someone like this guy, these guys, Amazon or Netflix, who have a, you know, they have the captive audiences in place, they've been broadcasting a lot of, particularly Amazon, right? Amazon have broadcast yes. rights to major leagues already. We talk about yeah. this a lot on our podcast. And they also have original shows that are about the top football teams, Man City, Juve, Tottenham. They are also uh, creating programs. I think Netflix as well. So I think if you look at Netflix, you know, they have 50% of all content, you know, worldwide. And Disney, obviously, for what they've got and the way they are growing so fast, uh, they are catching up. I think Amazon uh, is the obvious choice over here. And the other ones, I think, aren't they the ones also in the US? Didn't they just get Thursday night exclusive? You mentioned yes, in your podcast. Correct. Correct. So that's right. I mean, they're doing that. Nike, you've seen what Nike is doing. They're uh, every day, they're getting less and less individual players. In the last month, three star players have, have pulled the plug. So uh, Nike is obviously, you know, because of what's happened the last one year, they've cut down in these multi-billion dollar contracts as well. Yeah, and they've got that's right. uh, lifetime contracts with the LeBron James and the Serena Williamses of the world. So you're either with me for life, you know, like Roger Federer or, or goodbye. And um, I think, uh, like I said, it's TV income. I think Florentino has spoken to, I won't say Jeff Bezos, but, you know, whoever heads Amazon uh, TV uh, sure. content. And he yeah. knows what Madrid versus Barcelona and Madrid versus Man U is worth week in, week out. And that money was just too much for to compare to what UEFA is giving them now. And it's the only way for Madrid to compete with the premiership teams in the next three to five years. I think I need to find a Barca fan now to get the counter argument because... Uh... Well, I mean, Barca Madrid fans are, are, are in this together because La Porta is supported Madrid. It's the only time we're actually together. Barca needs this because how does Barca keep Messi and hire yeah. Haaland? Messi says, I'll stay if Haaland stays. If, Haaland, if you get Haaland and you build yeah. a team, you got sure. rid of Neymar, you got rid of Luis Suarez, None of the two I approved. Why does Messi stay another year if he can't win a Champions League? He doesn't. No. It's, it sounds like you've got two teams that are basically, uh, what, what do you say, trading trading while insolvent, which is what we say here in the UK. Yeah, two teams yeah. that are trading while insolvent and they're trying to find a way to continue trading without bankruptcy yeah. proceedings coming their way. But think about it. Think about it. Madrid Mbappe, is, uh, Neymar is announcing he's staying in PSG. Mbappe now wants to sign and be the be the Ballon d'Oro. So he wants to go to Madrid, right? He loves Zidane and Zidane loves him, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Haaland, obviously, he's going to talk to everybody. Whoever pays his father and his agent 20 million pounds each, I don't see that being Florentino Perez. What's his name? Raola, Minola, whatever his name is? Yeah. The agent? Yeah, so uh, he's a shock. The, uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, I don't see Man U playing him that money, you know? I think only Man City or uh, or Barca will find a way to pay him. Uh, or PSG, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. PSG as well. Amit, I want to let you go. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you. So thank you so much for your time and insights. It's, uh, Anytime. It's been a lot of fun. I'd love to have you back on the podcast again in the future when we have more football to discuss or other things in sports. I know you're very widely read uh, with your interest in NFTs and just what's going on in the sports world in general. So please come back. We'll pick your brain again. Thank you, Anand. And then next time, bring Vlad on as well. Every time I listen to him, I'm always on his side. <laughs>
he'll he'll probably reach out to you himself directly. Don't worry. Okay. About that. Thanks. <laughs> Take care, Take my care. friend. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. We know that if you're listening to this show, we know that you know how to subscribe to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends and your family about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please connect with us. Our contact information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. We'll be in the game with you in a few days with our new episode.